So usually I let George uh, take us into the episode. But I've been doing a better job than him lately, yeah. I think. My energy's a little different. So welcome back to the Man Cave Podcast, everybody. That's not enough. <laughs> I'm talking about different nah, energy. Nah, I think that was perfect. Right. <laughs> well, we got Mr. Rob Wilson in the, in the building today. He's a financial advisor, expert on all things money. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, sir. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, how long you've been doing this, and uh, we're going to get into it. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a financial advisor. I'm actually originally from Pittsburgh. Cool. Um, so I'm born and raised there. I'm definitely a Steeler fan. <laughs> um, you know, so but I've been out here um, for about the last six or seven years uh, once I got married. Um, and move my practice out here. Um, you know, I've been a financial advisor for about 17 years. Uh, my bachelor's degree is in engineering, and I did IT consulting for a while, but went back to school, got my MBA, and then sort of switched careers a little bit. And so I've been doing that for a long time. I've got a good, you know, sort of niche of clients where I work with pro athletes and entertainers, oh, wow. um, primarily NFL players, but um, folks from other sports and, and industries as well. And, uh, but... But I work with so so called regular people as what you know, doctors, lawyers, you know, just professionals. Because look, I didn't grow up talking about money at the dinner table, and I know a lot of people um, didn't as well. And so, you know, I've tried to do what I could do within my you know power and ability to to help educate people about you know how the game really works, how to build wealth, how to create you know financial independence. And so, um, you know, that's 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 what I'm up to. Gotcha. Did you grow up in Pittsburgh? Yeah, born and raised. Okay. Yeah. How how has it been for you living here in Philadelphia? Like, I know Pittsburgh is kind of similar, right? Like, it's a hustle and bustle, blue collar kind of like kind of place. Yeah. So Pittsburgh is a little bit more Midwest, even though when I was growing up, I mean, I just was for sure that it was the East Coast city. You know, (laughs) you couldn't tell me anything different. But it it is a little bit more Midwest, and that it's a it's a smaller city. Um, and so forth. So coming out here, it's a bigger city. It's a little bit more going on. I like the proximity to New York and DC and Baltimore yeah. and, and and all of that sort of stuff. And so, um, you know, it's been it's been it's been good for me. Um, a lot of the same issues though exist. You know, when you know you think you come to a bigger city and things are going to be dramatically different. It's not as dramatically different as as you would think. So the the transition wasn't um, super difficult. Okay. Interesting. What kind of uh, things are you talking about? So, you know, especially as an entrepreneur. So, you know, I started the financial part of my career at Smith Barney. Um, I worked there for a few years and then I left in January of 09, right in the middle of financial crisis and started a firm with a partner, um, which was super scary at the time. But it turned out to be a pretty decent time to do that. There's opportunity in chaos. Absolutely. Yeah, if you can are going to look for help, if one, they're looking for you specifically. 100%. Yeah. And so the weirdo thing about being a financial advisor, right, is that when things are good, people think that that's like, oh, you must be bringing in business. But when, when the market's good, everybody thinks they're a genius yeah. and that they don't need anybody. <laughs> But when the shit hits the fan yeah. is when um, people go, oh, you know what? I think I need a, a professional to help yeah. me with this. And so even though those times can be, you know, sort of stressful and uncomfortable for me as well, it's in a weird, perverse sort of way a good time to yeah. um, bring in business. So during the the COVID crisis, the market goes down 30% in the space of 
a month yeah. um, never happened that quickly before. That's when people go, you know what? Here, take this, take this for me. And um, and the market's been a little bit volatile over the last year and a half or so. So, you know, it's been good for business. Absolutely. That's, what got you into a financial advisor in the first place? Like, what was your, you just good with numbers and you said, I can, I could do this? Or? So definitely good with numbers coming from engineering. But when I decided to go back to business school, I originally thought, so I worked at Deloitte Consulting. So one of the biggest, you know, consulting firms in the world. So the, the reason I went back is because I didn't want to be the techie guy forever. I didn't want to sort of be pigeonholed there. So I said, let me go get an MBA, come back, partner track, all of that kind of stuff, boom. So when I got there, my interest tra- changed a little bit. And then you hear all of these stories. You know, somebody goes to business school, you know, creates Instagram, you know, becomes a billionaire, <laughs> yeah. all of those sorts of things. Yeah. So that amazing idea never hit me while I was in business school, unfortunately. But I was I wanted to figure out a way... The one thing that I didn't like about being at a big, you know, corporate job like Deloitte was, and it was, first of all, let me just say it was great. They trained me well. I loved it there. The people were good. I had a lot of frequent flyer miles and hotel points. Like it was great. (laughs) But what I didn't like was I had to wait for somebody else to feel like it was time for me to move up or make more money. I did not like that at all. So I'm much more comfortable, as painful as it may be at times, if I want to make more money, I need to go find more clients mm-hmm. because I feel more in control. So I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Someone came to campus um, who was a, she was a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch and she talked about what she did. And I said, oh, you know, that seems kind of cool. So I interned for her while I was in school for free on Fridays because we didn't have class. And I said, you know, I think I think I could probably do this. And, and the one thing that I knew it was going to be difficult but in chasing that as a niche, there were two things. One, I knew those people were identifiable because you could walk into any room or party or networking event. You have no idea who really yeah. is wealthy and who isn't. So I knew these people were identifiable and I knew that they had a problem. There were so many athletes. You know, if you saw the ESPN 30 for 30 broke, you know how easy it is for them it's to just crazy, squander actually. all of their money. So I knew that they were identifiable. They had a need and I felt like I could figure it out. So that's, that's kind of what led me into being a financial advisor. And, you know, it's, I, I stuck with it ever since. Awesome. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you said that, uh, you didn't grow up talking about money at the dinner table because I'm George, I'm sure you didn't either. Oh, like, God, no. Yeah. Most people don't, most Americans don't. Um, so I have to ask you like, in your experience, why do you think talking about money and, and managing money is such like a difficult thing for people to do? Well, because money is very emotional, um, particularly when you don't have it, but also when you have a lot of it. It's 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 weird how that works yeah. on both ends. And so because it's painful and if you don't know how you're going to pay the next bill and so on and so forth, um, that doesn't make you want to talk about it. It doesn't want to make you open the mail and, and look at the bills and have to deal with that stress. And so um, because, you know, a lot of our parents, mine included, didn't have a lot of money, weren't really sure what to do with it, weren't experts. They didn't feel comfortable, I don't think, trying to impart knowledge that they did not have. And so those conversations conversely didn't happen. And then, you know, somebody like me, first-generation college student, you know, sort of got to a point where I had to try to figure it out on my own and, and made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, you know, trying to figure it out. Were you an only child growing up? So I'm my mom's only child, 
that's that same struggle, so, bro. So I have, I have two half sisters okay. and a half brother who are, you know, all some, somewhat older than I am. But, but I, you know, I sort of grew up kind of as an only child. Okay, cool. I was just, I was curious because um, you said you were a first generation college grad. Similar, similar uh, for me, actually. I, I went to Seton Hall University, graduated psychology degree. Absolutely not using it. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm in real estate, so I kind of got to deal with people. I'm sure it comes into play. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but it's it's nice to see that uh, somebody like yourself has like the everyday story. Yeah. Like you know, man's pull up in a Tesla, dress nice, right? You know, but he comes from modest beginnings, mm-hmm. and it's it's nice to see that somebody like yourself is you've built something, and you come in today trying to impart wisdom for you know every everyday people just like us. So. Much appreciated. I just want to give you your flowers. For sure. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, so I guess uh, we already talked about kind of like how you learned about managing money um, and you interning and things like that. Um, I guess what I want to talk about next is the biggest issue for Americans today being inflation, I think. The price of eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Bruh, I was in the store. I didn't believe it. Somebody told me, like, eggs yeah. are $7. I, I saw, like, I saw like, a video because, you know, I have a wife who does, you know, she does the food shopping. I rarely go to get it. So all the shit that I saw was on the internet. Then one day I go and I go and I'm like, damn, these eggs really $9, bro? <laughs> like, I thought that shit was maybe, like, just New York. but. Yeah. That's nah, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was like a social media gag, like, oh, eggs are ten dollars. I'm like, it's no way. Yeah. Somebody switched the price tag. Um so, like, can you break down what inflation is, like I guess in layman's terms, and like how you think regular people can kind of combat inflation? Yeah, so sure, just in a nutshell, you know, inflation is how the prices price of goods increase over time. So, you know, you'll hear your grandparents talk about how you know a gallon of milk was 10 cents you know when they were growing <laughs> up and so forth ago and then you know eventually you know costs rise it costs more to you know make the product to pay people to produce it so on and so forth and and costs generally um generally go up over time and, and we've just seen this tremendous just price dislocation after the COVID crisis because yeah. look a lot of the supply chains got completely just you know, totally whacked out. And so, you know, you can't just flip a switch and turn the factory back on and get all your employees back and, you know, get all the boats, you know, um, shipping the product across the the ocean and so forth. And so it takes a lot of time for all of that to get back up and running. And so we've seen pockets of things um, where the prices have just gone astronomical. Now, one of the things that have happened with eggs is that we had this avion flu um, where you had a bunch of, uh, you, you know, egg-laying chickens and so forth Good die, story. and so the supply goes down, then the, then the price have to go, has to go up. And so that's happened in a lot of different areas. So in terms of, you know, what the average American, you know, can do to combat that, so one thing for me, I haven't faced that too much because I don't really eat eggs. Um, so I'm okay with eggs in things, right? Yeah. So I'll eat French toast and all that kind of stuff, but like scrambled eggs and stuff, oh, like that's, that's not my joint. So, um, but what I would say is, so one of the luxuries that we have here, and I mean, people are just, when they're when they're crying about inflation, I don't want to be insensitive. I get it, but one of the luxuries we have here is is the tremendous ability to trade down, and you're seeing that a little bit now. So, a lot of people that were going to Whole Foods every week 
are, you know, going to Walmart. And then a lot of people who are going to Walmart or maybe now going to Family Dollar or, yeah. or so on and so forth. Yeah. And let's be honest, when you go to the grocery store, a lot of those products are way overpriced anyway. Yeah, very true. And so, you know, when you're dealing with the brand names and you don't know that that brand name actually produces the no-name brand that's in Family Dollar <laughs> yeah. in the same manufacturing facility with just different packaging, right. then you like... I, I, so I'll tell you, when I first heard of um, Dollar Tree, I don't know how I didn't know about this, but I think my my girlfriend, now wife, told me about Dollar Tree, and my mind was mind was blown. I was like, are you crazy? Like, I can get the same... This is the same thing, but it's, it's priced so much cheaper. I, like, I go yeah. to her a lot. I have no shame at all. And I so, think that's the biggest thing that people are like, oh, I don't want to be caught shopping at Dollar, Dollar Tree. Oh forbid. no, I it will do. Like, I will take selfies in Dollar Tree if it, <laughs> if I don't. It, I don't care at all because I feel like now I'm winning the game. I don't yeah. want them to beat me. Like, ah, well, we got them to, to buy this yeah. and it's the same stuff. No, I I want to be on top of that game. So you know, I would say while we're in this inflationary period, you you can trade down and get some of the products that you like yeah. um, at these different places that are a much lower cost. I mean, and it's common sense, right? The, the the issue is that human beings are creatures of habit. So God forbid you you can't go to the shop right this 10 minutes. You got to drive an extra five or 10 minutes to go to the Dollar Tree. Yeah. What a huge inconvenience. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how to help. Yeah, the inability to adapt to a situation is, you would think that people would be better at it by now, but no, it's just, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, we get comfortable, you know, in our own habits, but, but certainly with a little bit of planning, even if it's, you know, Costco or something like that, buying your non-perishables um, in bulk, you know, and saving, you know, that price per unit. There's you, you, we, we are very fortunate here. I think in a lot of other countries, they don't have, you know, these luxuries. Yeah. And so the, the pain is a lot more real there, but I think at least where we're at today, certainly it could get worse, but where we're at today, I think we have, options to kind of get around manageable Mm -hmm. do you do you pay attention to what's happening in the economies in other countries at all yeah for sure because you know i have you know i'm managing people's portfolios and so what's happening elsewhere tends to you know obviously affect the u.s market so um you certainly have to you know be somewhat i don't consider myself a you know a, a foreign policy expert in, in any stretch of the imagination, but you know, it pays to just sort of have some knowledge of what's going on. Yeah. I, I asked because you said, um, uh, damn, you, you asked, you said something and it just made me think that like what's happening here is kind of happening everywhere. And like, people like to think, Oh, it's the government, it's this. And that. and while I will say, um, I have, I've have heard that certain companies are making like a killing, um, you know, record profits and, and gas and other things, so it's 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 kind of like are y'all is it really inflation or are y'all taking advantage of the fact that you know people are coming off of COVID and now have to kind of compensate for the time that they think they lost? There's you know what I mean? absolutely some of that going on because listen, <clears throat> our our system is called capitalism, <laughs> and you know <clears throat> these these companies, CEOs, boards, their their goal is so that they've been taught is to maximize profit, yeah. and so. Um, just as I said that there's opportunity and chaos, mm-hmm. um, they feel that way as well. And so they will absolutely do it as long as they feel like they can get away with it. Now, eventually the market will correct because yeah. if someone is just grossly overpricing something, eventually someone will come in and say, I'm going to take that market share from you by pricing it 
um, lower. So as long as there's not collusion between a bunch of um, producers, yeah. eventually the market will correct. But they are 100% going to milk it for all it's worth while they can. And and it's funny you said that, uh, that the market will correct, because that's something we talk about a lot in real estate, right? So, you know, during COVID, people were paying 50 $100,000 over whatever the house was being sold for. And people thought, oh, this is like, this is going to last forever. Yeah. And it lasted about two years, which is a, a long ass time. I had a client who uh, she was looking for a property in Drexel Hill. And she's a regular, you know, regular working mom of two kids. So we're trying to find her something where, you know, she's using a regular loan, FHA, uh, and we're submitting offers. And then like everything that she's competing against is cash. And it's like, where the really? fuck are these people getting three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars and just paying cash like it's nothing? And then, you know, we saw that play out for two years, like I said. And then all of a sudden, like people were trying to sell their houses for these crazy am mm -hmm. amounts of money. Like people were, like, I'm not paying it. So it, the market will correct, like you said. Like, and companies, <laughs> I guess, will get caught with their pants down when people don't want to shop there no more, and they realize, like, oh, okay, eggs are back to two twenty five, yeah. and. Costco or whatever is still charging seven dollars. Like it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we just experienced the same thing. Like you, she said, uh, she just got a new car. Mm -hmm. We went to go check it out first, right? Because uh, her lease was coming up, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you know, we can get like the same car, blah blah blah, for like five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars more that we're currently paying." I'm like, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, you know, because of the market, uh, that's just the price that we have to charge." All right, and we're not getting a car. Like, that's just not what we're doing. Right. Uh, and, you know, we dipped. And then, like, <clears throat> the next day or two days later, hey, we were able to run the numbers again. <laughs> and, you know, we, we can bring it down for you. And we went back, and, yeah, it's, like, $500 cheaper than what they told us. Because all they're just, like, they're just trying to be like, oh, this is what you have to pay. Crazy. And then, you know, some people are going to be like, I guess that's that's what it is. And then they just fall into it. But, no, it, <laughs> Sometimes you could just like you know talk to these people because they're they're like you said taking advantage of the chaos. They're just you know oh this is the market that's all they have to tell you you know this is going to be like this until 2025 is literally what they told us. So you know if you're not going to get a car now you're not going to get one until 2025. All right then we'll keep in this car until 2025 and I'll talk to you when I talk to you. <laughs> and then you like I said two days later you know, we figured it out. I'm like sure you did. I'm sure really, you did. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious, bro. And I think, like you said, it's capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. So everything is negotiable in yeah. this country, essentially. Uh, you know, obviously people are going to charge what they charge. And, like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to cut my commission if I don't have to. Yeah. Uh, because then I don't make the money that I need to make to feed my family. But, you know, I see actually more so in, like, the immigrant communities, like uh, people who aren't born here. Mm -hmm. They'll come here and they'll haggle prices. Like, they'll... I actually, it bothers the hell out of me. I'm like, listen, I don't have time. What is it, $1,000 here? And let me, because my time is more important. I don't yeah. really want to sit here and debate. But in some cases, I don't blame you for arguing. The, like, you walking out of the fucking dealership, mm -hmm. that was the best thing you could have did. Yeah. Because then you get locked into a, a what, a 24, 36-month lease yeah. or something stupid, and yeah. you're paying $500, $600 more than what you should be? Yeah. You got two kids. Right. What sense does that make? That would make no but, sense. But you also understand how to manage and how to budget your money. Yeah. Like you bought a house at a young age. Most people cannot do that. Mm -hmm. So for you, it made sense to walk out as opposed to somebody who might just have the, the good enough credit to walk into the dealership and be like, oh, listen, 500 more? Bet, give me the hell cat. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think the biggest thing is anytime you're in any of those situations, house, car, big purchases, you, you have to be willing to walk out the door. Yes. 
Um, because if you don't, if you're, you've already lost, if you're, if you're not, if you have to, you're in here and you go, I got to get a car yep. or I have to get this house. You can smell it on you. you. Yep. 100, a mile away. <laughs> so you, you have to be willing to walk out of the door because, you know, they'll take advantage of you if, if you don't. Yeah. Man, I feel like, uh, and, and maybe you can speak more to this. Like, I feel like, um, for certain people, expensive cars should not be an option, but it's like, as soon as they get a job. They can't help themselves. He's like, oh, I'm going to get, I have a client right now. I'm trying to help him sell his house. And he might walk away with a little less than 80000 And he's telling all his friends nonstop, oh, I'm going to go get this track hawk. I'm going to, I'm like, bro, I, I just, I don't understand what it is. It's like a status thing. Like some people yeah. get money. They want to up their stock by buying a car. Yeah, so I deal with this a lot because I work with pro athletes and entertainers. And of so this is one of the first things that, you know, we have to talk about. And it's 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 more or less, you know, people want to communicate that they're successful. Um, and, and in, you know, outside of, you know, running around the streets and holding up a sign, how do, <laughs> how do you communicate that? You drive the sign. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So so it's the sign. And so... Um, where, where I try to help people get over that is, first of all, it's a depreciating asset when we're talking about a vehicle. And so mm -hmm. that's not something that you want to be spending those first dollars on. I'm also not the guy that says, I don't want you to enjoy your life or reap the benefits of the things that you've done. And so there's a, there's a balance that needs to be struck. And so where I think people get lost is that they never set any financial goals at all. Mm -hmm. So the people come to me to talk about their money. And then I go, you know, they go, you know what? I'm, I'm really upset. You know, my, my, my finances aren't where I thought they would be. And I go, okay, cool. So what part of your plan isn't working? And then they go, plan? <laughs> what do you mean? And so that's the thing that's lacking. And so if you don't have a plan, you have no idea what you should be doing. People come to me, Rob, what should I be investing in? I go, I don't know. Tell me what it is that you want. And people don't really know outside of the, because they're just bombarded with commercials yeah. all day long. House, car, watch, whatever. This is this is what's going to make you look successful. They have no idea what they really want. And so what I try to get people to understand is, listen, you have to set a financial goal. The GPS in your car, very amazing technological, you know, tool. But. If you don't put an address in there, it can't it? help you. Yeah. And it's just going to stare back at you like, uh, what do you want? That's <laughs> right? a great example. And so, so it, here's what I tell people to do. You need, you got to do two things. One, you have to get very, very specific on what it is that you want. Not most people will go, oh, I just, I want to be comfortable. Well, I don't know how to spend comfortable. Yeah. I don't know how to count to comfortable. And neither does anybody else. So you have to get very, very specific. I want to have... $3 million liquid by the time I'm 45, 50, whatever it is. Okay, cool. That specific dollar value and there's a date attached to it. Now, the second thing you have to do is get very, very honest with yourself about where you stand today. Unapologetic. It is what it is. Here's where we are. Mm -hmm. If you have those two pieces of information, you can always reverse engineer. Okay, here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. Now, what do I need to do to make sure that I get there? And if you do that, you you will back into okay. Do I have enough to spend the money on the Hellcat? Yeah. Or do I need to invest that in the market now? Do I need to start a retirement plan? Do I need to get some insurance? 
do I need to start a business? Do I need to get a side hustle? Do I need to invest in myself and get some better skills? And then maybe I'll get the Hellcat in a year. Yeah. And so if you start with your goals and understand what you want, you can you can decide where those things fit in your budget. And that goes with anything, like buying a house, starting a family, whatever. If you don't have it laid out how you want to get there, most likely you're not going to get there. Yeah, I mean, you kind of answered a question that I had listed on here already where I saw a statistic that said 42% of all Americans are, uh, have less than $1,000 in their savings. And the question that I had was like, oh, like how would you help that person increase their savings? One of the things that we hear all the time is, oh, investment, investing. Uh, like a person that has less than $1,000 in their savings has no idea what to invest in because if they did, they probably wouldn't have only $1,000 in their savings. So what's a conversation that you would have with that person that came to you but I think it's a lot of what you just said. You have to have a, a, an end game. You have to have a goal and a direction that you want to head in. Um, but for a person that isn't uh, like, because obviously you had a lot of these conversations with these people, somebody in that situation. Um, have you ever had pushback from somebody that was like, well, you know, I make this much money. That doesn't make sense that I shouldn't be able to have my own car. And how does that conversation normally go? Oh, not, not well. A yeah. lot, a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, because listen, I've I've worked with guys that are 19, 20, 21, mm -hmm. and they've never written a check before in their life. Not one time. But then all of a sudden, there's a $2 million signing bonus in their account. And so it's like, what do you think is going to happen to that? You know, for, for anybody, and this is not just about pro athletes, you put most people in that situation, yeah. it becomes difficult to handle. And it goes, yeah, well, there's all this money there. What? Why can't I just go do that? Yeah. Because they think the issue is you think that that money is going to last forever mm -hmm. and it goes quicker than you think, um, especially when you're talking about an athlete. First of all, they forget about taxes. They have to pay taxes. They have to pay their agent. Um, and then when you start taking care of everyone in your family, a lot of that is gone before you've really yeah. actually done anything or, or enjoyed it. So, you know, the, the conversation doesn't go great. But again, I try. I just try to go back to, what it what is it that you really want to accomplish? Do you want to be broke by the time you're done playing? If so, go have at it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't, if you don't, if you truly desire for that to not happen, maybe let's go down a different path. And then also, it doesn't have to be all one way or the other. You want to go buy that? Cool. Let's not buy a new one. Right. Let's go buy a pre-owned one, because no one's going to know the difference for the most part. Yeah, body styles change, blah, blah, blah. No one, for the most part, is going to know if you have a 2023 or a 2018, for the most part. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I heard um, Chad Johnson on a podcast, Ocho Cinco, say something really smart. He goes, when I was in the league, I, yeah, you used to see me with these earrings, but he was like, they're, they're cubic zirconias. Why? I'm already rich. What difference does it make? I, I don't have to try to impress exactly. you, and you're going to assume that they're real anyway. Exactly. That's valid. You know? And so it's we got to stop trying to impress people who aren't going to ever pay your bills at the end of the day. So, you know, what, so what's the point? Make sure that you you have enough to take care of yourself and your family, and then, uh, then we think about the other stuff. I 100% agree. But no, what you're talking about, we see that a lot in the black community. <laughs> Like, everybody got Jordans. Everybody's wearing a Gucci belt, walking up and down the street on the bus. Yep. And I'm just like, do is it is it really 
that I guess it's because human beings were social creatures, right? And we're always trying to like put put ourselves on top of the pyramid and look better than the next person, or you know, maybe you're trying to attract the one girl that you maybe think you can't really get, so you dress a certain kind of way. And I don't know why I thought for some reason that professional athletes and you know doctors would be like excluded from this same sort of mentality, but clearly they're not. They're regular people just like us. Yeah, I think when you come into new money from no money, you don't know how to manage it at all. You're just trying to have fun now. And you worked hard to get to this place. So Oh, you I want, deserve it. Yeah, deserve and you know, it. you wanna you what's what's the saying? You wanna um play as hard as you work, right? So <laughs> yeah. they're trying to match their level of hard work with how much they play. And it's like you can't do that sometimes unless you unless you budget, unless you plan for the fun. But if you don't do that, you're just gonna be spending all your money. <laughs> like I saw uh Podcast. You guys know Michael Pena? He's an actor. I know Michael Pena. Uh, he was being interviewed about when he first started uh, acting and like the first big roles that he got and the money started coming in. He said, once the money started coming in, he was like, I, I tucked it away. He was like, because the last thing I wanted to do is blow through that money and then I have to do jobs. I don't get to pick the jobs that I want to work for. You know, now I'm doing movies that I don't want to do because yeah. I need the money. He was like, if I save that money, I can pick my the work that I want to be. I can be the artist that I want to become. I was like, that's smart because most people are like, oh, $200,000 check for this job? I'm going to get another job and another job. But then you're just throwing all your money away. You're not planning for anything. That is a really awesome point. I posted something the other day because um, it came across my mind where I said, look, your boss does not want you to be good with your money. <laughs> and I know this for a fact with within the sports arena because some of the executives have have you know said the quiet part out loud but they don't want you to be good with your money the only reason um you know your boss can talk to you the way that he or she does is because they know that you're not going anywhere yeah you're right you know yeah. you do you think that they would talk to warren buffett like that no. and so the way to wait the way to you know have freedom and happiness at work is to have enough money that you could get up and walk out if you chose to do so um, and go do something else. And I think that's a that's a great example. Let me stack this money so now I don't have to go take um, a role that I think is not is not good for me. Um, or if you're an athlete, you know, let me stack so I know I don't have to go destroy my body um, if I don't feel like, you know, it, it's, it's a good time for me to do that. And so the, the greatest way to have freedom is to have some F you money. And 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 you can't do that if you're spending in the club. That makes me think actually of this uh, Jay Z Lil Wayne debate that's going on right now. Like Jay Z has become a billionaire by you know obviously music, but also investing, buying into teams, yeah. different things like that. So it's like no, you're not going to see him on social media defending himself, talking about oh, I'm the better rapper, blah blah blah. Like he's he's established himself. He made smart decisions. So no, he doesn't have to get up and go do a tour. Or a, a show at the Met down here on Broad Street, like Yikes. you taking shots. <laughs> I'm just saying, it is what it is. Like it's, it's Jay Z, no, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. Like he don't have to work. The that's money's why the, working for that's him. That's why the question is right. Would you rather have a million dollars or dinner with Jay Z? Nobody's like, do you want to have dinner with Lil Wayne? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, because you want to have a conversation with the guy that you said has established himself right. financially and he's done more with his money than the regular rapper has. Seriously. So. So. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to uh, the lo the lottery guy who 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 hit the jackpot or yeah, whatever. Because yeah. 
statistics show most of those people blow through their money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going mm-hmm. to get advice about money from him. Yeah. Like he's he yeah, he has the money, but he doesn't know how to spend it. He doesn't know where to put it. And I think like people like yourself are underrated for that exact reason. Like you can show them like listen, this is where the money's supposed to go. This is how you're going to make it work for you. And that's the difference between somebody being stuck in the rat race and having to get up and go to work every day and somebody who's going to actually be able to not work when they're 50, 55. Like my great grandmother, God rest her soul, she worked till she was 91 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at Jim's Steaks, which is a staple, well, mm-hmm. used to be. Um, but, and I don't, I don't think it was more so that she had to. Maybe she did. I don't know. But it's like if our family had invested in, and did things the way we were supposed to do, would she have had to go in and work seven, eight hours? Would she even have wanted to do that if she could instead be in the house and know that all her grandkids were good? Yeah, it's not supposed to be that way. It's not. Um, we're, we're not supposed to work until they actually have to drag us out of the place. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, but unfortunately – we're also not taught financial concepts in school at all, especially in, you know, say middle high school, but even in college, unless you really, you know, go seek it out or if you're sort of in that, you know, kind of major and 100% once you get into the professional world, there's, there are not a lot of resources that your company is going to provide to you. And so um, when, Again, we talked about why, why don't we talk about these things? If, if you don't have that sort of built in um, desire to, to be good with your money, yeah. then it's probably going to take you to stumble, you know, a few times to figure out, OK, wait a minute, I, I probably need to get this together. And unfortunately, that's what pe- puts people behind the curve and always feeling like they need to catch up. And it's going to last forever because once you put yourself in debt and you have bad money habits, Bro, it's impossible. It feels impossible, really, to dig yourself out of that hole. Yeah, and then when you're raised around it, and you see everybody in your, you know, in your house, your grandparents, your parents, cousins, all with bad spending habits, you're gonna jump into the same spending habits. Mm-hmm. You know, you are uh, who you hang around, right? You're, you're um, what's the what's the phrase? You see, I keep forgetting. You're, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time. Yeah. With. So, like I said in another podcast, like you have to have the mentality to break away from everything that you see. And be the you know strong enough to you know this is the wrong way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And even though everybody I know is doing it, I'm going to be the one to kind of break the chain. You know, so I'll push back a little bit okay. in that I know it does in the moment. If your finances are not where you want them to be, like it can feel impossible. What am I going to do? Like I need money now. But what I will say is that I I think we've been blessed to be in an era where it's there's never been a better time in the history of this planet if you live in America to be able to take control of your financial well-being. I mean, there's a 12-year-old kid who reviews toys on YouTube <laughs> and he makes 40 million dollars a year. So my parents did not have that um, opportunity. My grandparents did not have that opportunity. They would probably look at us and be like, what are you doing? You have all these things. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I started shooting content and and those sorts of things was it it really, again, mind blown where I go, um, you know, I could literally take this device out of my pocket and I could turn it on myself and then 
30 seconds, I could broadcast live to anyone on this planet with an internet connection for free. The ability to do that is insane. If, yeah. if, if I would have told you guys 15, 20 years ago, hey, this is going to be a thing, you guys would have signed me up for the psych ward. <laughs> okay? But the fact that you can do that now is insane. Now, that also comes with its own downsides, and we, we've seen what social media yeah. can sort of lead to when anybody, you know, sort of has a microphone. But that's But that's where we're at now. And so I think that we have the ability to do that that you can make a great living from your home and your pajamas and your bedroom with a laptop and a phone and internet connection yeah. is, is incredible. And so um, while I can feel bad, I do think we have way more options than our, than our parents and grandparents had. And it's, I, I just think we have to, it's incumbent upon us to take advantage of it. I, I do want to talk. I'm, I know one of the things that have helped some of my clients is understanding the process. So let's say, uh, Joe Smith calls you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What's that like? How are you? How are you onboarding him and and getting him set up for a success? What's your process look like? Great question. So, <clears throat> somebody comes to me with me wants to talk about their money. I ask for them for two things right up front. Show me your bank statements and show me your calendar, mm. because how you treat your time and how you treat your money are going to be the biggest determining factors of how successful you're going to be. And so, what I try to figure out is what you say to me. Do I see it here? Yeah. Oh, I want to save money. It doesn't look like you want to <laughs> save money based on what you were doing last weekend yeah. and, you know, last month and last year. And then, you know, oh, I want to start a business or, I, you know, I want to get healthier. I want to write a book. Well, where do I see in your schedule or in your calendar where you have actually set aside the time to start writing your book or set aside the time to start you know, calling people so you can try to, you know, start your business. Because if you're, if you're not that serious about your schedule, if you let everybody else control your time, you're never, ever going to have the time to do that. You know, one random Saturday when it's 75 degrees and sunny and the wind's blowing in the right direction and you're not sore from working out and you feel like it, every situation has to be perfect for you to work on it. You're never going to do it. Yeah. But professionals get up and go to work every single day, no matter what. And that's where, you know, I try not to compare everything to athletes, but that's one thing that you could take from Kobe and, you know, like that Mamba mentality. Yeah. You have to get up and go. Kobe or any of these other guys don't get to choose, do I feel like playing today? Yeah. No, there's a game and you have to show up. And so you have to put those important things in your schedule first. You want to get healthy, there better be time blocked out in your schedule to go to the gym, work out, go shop for healthy food, go prep, cook, so on and so forth. You want to write a book, you better start getting up early so you can write 500 words before you go to work. Whatever it is, you got to treat your time like the valuable asset that it is because you cannot get that back. And then you have to spend your money accordingly to those goals. And if you do that, you, you can get it together pretty quickly. Yeah. Awesome. No, no, I was just going to say, it sounds like um, we had a personal trainer on the podcast as well, where we had a conversation about motivation. Right. And it's the same thing. Like you can, I can go to you for help. Right. But I need to want it more than you want it for me. Like you can be like, this is what you need to do. And you can, you know, kind of put the step-by-step -step process. If I'm not following those steps, nothing's going to happen. I, I went to the right guy but I didn't put in the work. I didn't follow the the directions that was supposed to be done. And you need to want it more than you than whoever is helping you. If that's not the case, you're never going to get to where you want to go. That's one of the most frustrating things about, you know, doing what it is that I do because 
And I've said almost those exact same words. I, I can't want it for you yeah. more than you want it. And but but you know what? I do. I get mo- emotionally invested, mm-hmm. you know, with my clients. I try to take on as much as I can for them to, t- you know, take away the the stress and so on and so forth. I try to do as much as I can, but at the end of the day, it's their money. Um, they make the final decisions and, you know, you, you have to live with that. I, I just need to make sure that I can go to sleep at night knowing that I gave them the best advice that I could possibly give. I didn't pull any punches. You know, I'm in a good position now where I, I tell folks, I, I want to work with you. I don't have to work with yeah. you. And the difference between that is, you know, how you said, you know, if you don't have money, then you got to go do if if you have to work with somebody, are you really going to tell them the thing that might cause you to fire? They might fire you when you tell them something that they don't want to hear. Oh, you don't want to help me get the truck? You know, some, you know, jackass at Merrill Lynch, you know, help me go get it. Right. So, um, you know, I want to work with you. I don't have to. I'm going to tell you what I think is the best advice. And, you know, we kind of go from there. So going back to your, your process, after you kind of go through, um, you know, goals and, and things like that, is that when you kind of like make suggestions to them based on what their actual goal and their plan is for themselves? Like as whether you should invest in stock or whatever? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because so let's say you come again, you say to me, I want, you know, to have five million dollars by the time I'm 50. OK, well, if we look at where you're at right now, we go, <clears throat> Okay, you're probably not going to get there from your salary. So we've got to add some other things. We've, we've got to start a business where you're bringing in some income. We have to take some of that and invest. And so let's say if a portion of that is going to come from investing, maybe that's a million of it. Well, what would you need to be doing on a monthly basis, sort of putting in the market, if we have an assumption on what you could make on average per year? So on on average, over long periods of time, the stock market tends to give you about 10% a year. So we so we plug that in. So under those assumptions, if you want a million dollars 20 years from now, starting from here, this is exactly what you would need to be doing every month, right? And so that's why it's so important to be specific because you can figure out to the dollar and then and then also to the minute what you need to be doing yeah. in order to give yourself the, the best chance of hitting that goal. Yeah, every... every um I want to say like October, um, before the the new year comes around, we do business planning for that exact reason. Break it down to the day, the week, the month, whatever, the quarter. How many clients do I need to get in order to reach my goal financially for the next year? Absolutely. I mean, very very easy. You want you want to end the year with this amount of money? Okay, that's that's X per client. So if I get clients, I need this many um, actual qualified prospects. To get that many prospects, I need this many leads. And in order to get this many leads, this is how many calls I need to make advertising dollars I need to spend so on and so forth. I mean, you can, you can figure, we have the tools to figure out what it is that you need to do is this. Do you really want that answer thrown in your face? (laughs) That's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Do you have a, George had this question and I'm just going to snatch it from him. Uh, Do you have a client in particular that you're like extremely proud of, like to see them go from like where you guys started working together and then like, you know, later on down the line, years, months, whatever it is. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm proud of this dude. And if so, what were the things that they did to make you feel like, oh, I'm proud of him or her? So <clears throat> I don't know if I should drop names. I think he'll, yeah. be, I think he'll be okay with it. So <laughs> I won't drop the name, but okay. people can probably yeah. kind of figure it out if they look through my stuff. But anyway, one of my longest 
um, clients that I've worked with is a you know, guy who played for the 49ers, and he was actually at my wedding. I mean, we're really close friends now. Um, and everything that he's done is definitely not as a direct result of me. I mean, he's he's a smart guy, and he's yeah. done a lot of these things on his own. But, you know, he, he was a guy who played nine years, um, you know, in the league before he decided to retire. But he was somebody who was very deliberate about what he wanted to do. He started thinking about, okay, what what businesses are am I going to launch? Um, how am I going to use, for example, where I'm playing at to my advantage? So he played out there with the 49ers and the Raiders. Um, and he said, listen, I'm in the middle of Silicon Valley. So why would I not, you know, ingratiate myself into that community, yeah. figure out how this works? You know, how can I benefit? How can I invest? And so, you know, he's now, you know, angel invested in other rounds and a number of um, tech companies. He's had a couple exits already and a couple that are probably going to have, you know, pretty significant exits, you know, when when that time comes. So um, he didn't let, you know, him playing professionally cloud his vision for the future. He said, listen, I, I know this doesn't last. It's not going to last forever. So I need to be thinking about the next thing. He, um, you know, got into franchising, did, did some restaurants. Um, that didn't necessarily, you know, work out the best. Right. Um, but it didn't destroy him either. I mean, we, you know, sort of did it in a, in a controlled way. It doesn't, didn't work out, you know, you move on. So, you know, he's done, he's done very well for himself. He knows everybody. He's, he's knows how to build relationships and he'll, he'll never have a problem, um, you know, taking care of himself with his family because he, he, he put the right tools and skills in place, uh, from the beginning. I'm just smiling ear to ear from this episode. You probably can't tell, but like one of the things I picked up, um, maybe like 15 minutes ago, just hearing you talk. Everything has been million, million plus, two million. Like you don't think small. And even in your examples, you haven't given us like small examples. And like I aspire to have that type of mindset because you literally attract what you think about or, you know, like, and and you're able to do that obviously because you worked yourself into that space, but I, I also can imagine that at some point you said, okay, this is the type of clients that I'm going to work with. This is the type of money that I'm going to make. And now like you just breathe it. Like <laughs> I feel it every, every time you say something, I'm like, damn, this dude, like he, yeah. he's figured it the fuck out. And, and, but you know what? I don't want to make it seem like, because sometimes the, the podcast interviews, they will aggravate me because people come <laughs> on and they feel, they make it sound like, Everything just always worked out. That is not the case. So I, when I went to Smith Barney and I said I wanted to work with pro athletes and entertainers, I had zero clue how I was going to do that. I, again, I knew where I wanted to be, and where I was at at that time was yeah. zero clients. And what they do when you start as a financial advisor, they give you a desk and a phone, and they go get to work. And so, you know, I had to start sitting there cold calling 100 senior citizens all day <laughs> You know, having 95 of them hang up on me um, just to, you know, start to do something and get business and so on and so forth. But then on the side saying, I don't want to I want to work with pro athletes and entertainers. I got to figure this out. So I I will say one of the things that helped me was at first I was afraid to tell people that because there's no shortage of people who go, how are you going to do that? You're in Pittsburgh. You need to be in L.A., New York, Miami, Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. You don't know anybody. You didn't play sports, but no shortage of people. But. Um, so I didn't really want to tell people, but 
the moment I said, and probably from having listened to some podcasts and things and reading books, the moment I said, you know what, I'm going to just tell everybody I'm not going to be ashamed of it. And then we'll see what happens. So one of my friends from high school gave me a car, hit me up on social media, said, hey, you know, I got some questions about money. Can I come to talk to you? I didn't assume that she would have a bunch of money or whatever. But I said, yeah, come on, come on over. Let's talk. So we talked for an hour, gave her some advice. And she asked me, what are you up to? And I said, well, hey, I'm building this practice where, you know, I'm going to work with pro athletes and entertainers, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, wow, I didn't know you were doing that my cousin's going to be in the NBA draft in about two months. Exactly. And so let me introduce you to him. Now, if I was afraid to say what it is that I wanted to do, that would have never, ever happened. So the thing is, nobody can help you get what it is that you want out of your life until you accept it and you don't apologize for it and you stop being ashamed of it. And once I did that, things really started to skyrocket for me. But I, I definitely didn't have it all planned out. There are still things that I'm trying to, you know, figure out today. But I will say, you know, sort of being thinking bigger, being intentional about it um, is important. One of the things I say in my book is that, you know, if you're not intentionally trying to get wealthy, you'll likely end up accidentally poor. You know, you didn't you didn't mean for that to happen, but you also didn't take the steps to make sure that the the opposite thing, you know, didn't happen. And so be, try, being intentional to me has has um, really helped. I'm not at the mountaintop. I still got a lot of lot of work to do, but um, but it's in, in little steps. It's it's worked out. Yeah, like you said, like you come on and we talk about oh your success stories, and people are gonna be like, oh wow, my man, you know, he just got out of college, and you yeah. know, here he is. He didn't have to work up to where it is. Uh, it's the same thing as social media, right? Everybody puts off pictures. Yeah. Oh, look how good I'm doing this, this and that. Uh, but nobody shows their struggle. Nobody talks about it because that's the embarrassing part of getting to the success that you've had. Uh, but the embarrassing part or not even embarrassing, but the struggles are the most important part as to how you got to where you are. Cause nobody, uh, outside of maybe a couple of people who become overnight successes, but nobody does it. You have to put in the work. You have to get through the struggle. You have to fail. You have to, you know, rearrange what you've done, what did work, what didn't work, and you have to keep going. And then, like you said, just talking about it with people because, if, like, me and Larry have to do that with this with this show. You know, we have to tell people that that's what we're doing because we want them to tell other people to check it out, right? We want to have people uh, who are like-minded and can have a conversation to come on the show. But how am I supposed to ask you to come on the show if I'm afraid to tell you I'm doing a podcast? It don't make sense. Exactly. You know? So, you know, that's that's breaking out of your shell and being confident in what you're doing, just like you said. So You know what? Because people, and I think social media has exacerbated this, People, a lot of people will say they have a fear of failure. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can start this business because I have a fear of failure. Most people do not have a fear of failure. They have a fear of getting their feelings hurt. <laughs> What are they going to say about me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, so on and so forth. That's what they're more worried about than anything. There are certain people that should have a healthy fear of failure. Okay. You're an airline pilot. You should be afraid Oof. of failing. Oh my you're, you're, you're a train conductor. You, you walk tight ropes for a living. Heart surgeon. You, sh- like- <laughs> you should be, you yeah. should be, have a healthy fear yeah. of that not working out. But you starting your coaching business mm-hmm. should not be something that you're afraid of, of failing with. And so if people just get over themselves, because for the most part, no one cares yeah. because they're too worried about their own shit to worry about whatever it is that didn't work out for you. hundred percent. 
So uh, people don't care. Do what you got to do. Fail. They're, they're going to forget about it in a minute. Maybe somebody will. I also ask people this. Well, I'm, I'm afraid to do that. Okay. If you do that and it doesn't work, what's going to happen? And then they can't really answer the question. Yes, somebody might post about you. Fine. For me, if it doesn't physically harm you or anybody you care about, what difference does it make? So you uh, you did mention that you wrote a book. You want to tell us about your book and sure. the, the name of the book? And yeah. Give us uh, two other ones that you like. Sure. So the book, my book is called Secure the Bag. Um, create the life you desire by managing your money like you mean it. So, I mean, literally everything that we've sort of been talking about today is just being serious and intentional. If you want to manage your money, there are ways to go about it. And so, you know, for me, it was, let's take my, at the time, I was probably in the business for 15 years. Let me take the things that I just keep telling people over and over and over and over and over again, and then put that, my intellectual property in, into a, a package where somebody could follow it step by step. So literally, if you don't know anything about money, I feel like you could pick up the book and just start, how do I budget? What what accounts do I need? How, how many should I have? Uh, how do I save for retirement? I mean, really simple things to start getting your financial house in order. And I, and I say it in a way where I'm not trying to throw out a bunch of jargon and trying to make myself seem like I'm smarter than what I am. It's no, listen, I wanted to be very actionable. Here's a tip. Now go Don't do, do it. it yeah. And so, um, so folks can get the book on Amazon or my website, securethebag.me. Um, a couple of the other books that I like, um, one is called Never Eat Alone I like Never um, by Keith Ferrazzi. And it, it's basically a networking book and and talks about how do you build your circle of people that can, you know, that you can help. Okay, so let's not, it shouldn't just be one way, but that can obviously help you in your career and things that you want to do in the future. And um, I do like um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the first one. Now, Robert Kiyosaki, if you listen to him on social media, he gets a little bit quacky at, <laughs> at points. But the very first original book is amazing, where it talks about the differences bet between being um, an em employee, being self-employed, well, where you kind of just built yourself a job, fine, but you got to move on, you know, and, and then being a real business owner and an investor. That really, I think, set me on a on a different path. So I really do like that. I book. read it three times, mm -hmm. so I would agree. Yeah. And uh, can you give us three of your like top pieces of budgeting kind of info that'll help people, especially people getting their fucking taxes ready to go mm -hmm. to the so, club? So um, the first thing I would say is most people. So nobody wants to budget like, oh, I'm going to spend fifty dollars going out this month. Nobody wants to do that. So what I suggest people do is have a couple different accounts. And so let's say you have your paycheck or whatever, however you make money, go go all into one account. Then from there, you say, okay, I can spend, I'm just throwing out numbers, $1,000 this month on whatever. That goes into your expense account. So for groceries, gas, movies, whatever it's going to be, who cares? It's in there. Knock yourself out. Um, then a portion of that is going to go into the bills you have to pay. I have to pay my mortgage, car note, insurance, cell phone, electric, whatever it is. I know I have to pay it, so it's going to go in there, done. All my bills taken care of. And then however much you're going to save either for some shorter term, maybe it's vacation, uh, maybe it's a TV, but whatever it is, you're saving for that. And then some savings for long-term retirement. Because if you do it that way, those are sort of big buckets where you don't have to try to budget every single penny right. in these categories. Nobody's ever going to do that. 
So if you if you have these sort of accounts, then you're not trying to do this mental accounting where everything's all in one account and you go, oh, I think I can spend yeah, $50 here, but then me. separate it out so you know exactly what, what each bucket is set for. And you can do that really easily um, at like Fidelity or Charles Schwab. You can open up as many accounts as you want. There's no minimum uh, there's no fee to open an account. There's no minimum balance, and you can set that up pretty pretty clearly. And then what I also think people – I really like a tool called mint.com yeah. um, where you can go in and link up all of your accounts electronically, and it will um, sort of categorize your spending. It will let you know, hey, this looks a little bit out of whack um, right now. Is this is – this, do you need to cancel something or what, what have you? So it's a really good, good tool for knowing where you stand financially at any time. And then um, checking your credit – on a regular basis, I really like uh, Credit Karma um, because if you wait until you are going to go get a car or a house to worry about your credit, it's too late. Yeah, you need to do that well in advance of that. And so, Credit Karma is free. You can check it every day if you want. Again, it will alert you if something weird pops up on there. If somebody you know used your credit or something. So again, if you start to use these tools, it's insane that all of these tools are free. Yeah you know, that, that you can use to better yourself. And so you take advantage of them. I think you'll be in a good place. Rob, you're an awesome guest. Yeah. Uh, George, you want to take us home? Yeah. Like, uh, Larry told you in the beginning, this was something that we talked about from the get go. Uh, obviously this being the man cave podcast, we want to help men, uh, better themselves. Right. And being financially stable. is one of those things, um, because it can create value for yourself and you know how to take care of yourself. And if you could do that, you can take care of other people. Uh, so definitely appreciate you coming on the conversation. 100%. So good. I mean, you dropped a lot of gems, things that I think are really going to help a lot of people. Um, but just the way that you speak about yourself and the way that you speak about how other people can help themselves puts value to you. Um, so again, appreciate it. And you did say you made content. Did you want to tell the people where they can see your content? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I got a push going on Instagram right now. So I would say, you know, follow me on Instagram, but I'm at Rob Wilson TV pretty much everywhere on social but uh yeah hit, hit me on uh, instagram perfect awesome. all right outside of that you know catch you guys in the next one this is uh george larry thank you rob again thank you and this is it peace